Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Friday, March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. An exhibition at Pulitzer Arts Foundation showcases the work of Faye Heavyshield, an indigenous artist from Canada. For years, she worked in a predominantly white art world that did not seem interested in her culture. That's what led me to start thinking about referring to my personal history as a Blackfoot Blackfoot person, referring to the land, referring to the body. Coming up, St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin speaks with the artist about her journey. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency has issued proposed limits on so-called forever chemicals in drinking water. As St. Louis Public Radio's Brian Moline reports, it's the first time Missouri drinking water would be subject to such limits. PFAS are a class of more than 12,000 human-made compounds that accumulate in the environment over time via pollution. Scientists have linked them to a wide range of health problems. Missouri doesn't currently have any restrictions on PFAS, but testing over the last decade found high concentrations of the chemicals near Sullivan in Franklin County and near Ellsbury in Lincoln County. Illinois does have limits on PFAS in drinking water, but the new EPA rules would be much stricter. Illinois EPA testing in 2021 found concentrations of the forever chemicals higher than the proposed limits at seven sites in Madison County and two more in St. Clair County. The EPA expects to finalize the new regulations by the end of this year. I'm Brian Moline, St. Louis Public Radio. A national environmental think tank is giving grades to states on how well they are addressing the amount of lead in drinking water in schools. Environment America is giving Missouri a C and Illinois a D in its annual report card. The grades are based on the amount of lead found in school drinking water, the amount of testing, policies to address high levels, and public disclosure. More than half of the states got a failing grade. The highest mark is a B plus. Lead is highly toxic and especially damaging to children, impairing growth and brain development. St. Louis's health director is urging caution after three area hospital systems dropped mask requirements. Lower COVID levels are prompting SSM Health, Mercy, and St. Luke's to remove the restriction for most patients, visitors, and staff. City Health Director Dr. Madi Shlashwayo-Davis says it's not an easy decision for healthcare systems. So we cannot have a black and white approach to mandates just because the overwhelming number of us are fortunate enough to maybe be uh, of a certain demographic that doesn't put us at risk. Shlashwayo Davis says the pandemic will continue after the federal public health emergency ends in May. One of the area's largest hospital systems, BJC, says it will keep its mask mandate, at least for now. Washington University is following other top institutions by announcing it will no longer participate in one of the nation's most popular medical school rankings. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenton reports the school will stop providing information to U.S. News and World Report for its best medical schools list. The school's withdrawal comes as other top schools on the list, including Harvard, Stanford, and Penn, also decide to bow out of the rankings. Vice Chancellor David Perlmutter says the rankings reflect outdated values and a narrow view of the medical field. He says the list doesn't reflect the school's commitment to social issues. Schools provide information to the publication, which then rates them based on research funding, selectivity, and other factors. WashU says it will continue to provide information to prospective students itself. 
The St. Louis Med School has historically been ranked high on the U.S. News and World Report list. This year, the publication listed it at number 11 in the country. I'm Sarah Fenton, St. Louis Public Radio. A federal jury in a Chicago corruption trial has heard a secretly recorded call in which a Commonwealth Edison lobbyist delivered a fateful message that ended a 32-year political career. Dave McKinney reports. Prosecutors are showing jurors how former Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan flexed his immense political muscle in Springfield. Jurors heard him wield that power through Michael McLean, a ComEd lobbyist on trial for allegedly bribing Madigan. Lou Lang was a longtime Democratic state representative facing possible sexual harassment allegations. Madigan wanted Lang to resign, and he assigned McLean to deliver the message. This is no longer me talking. I'm an agent, somebody that cares deeply about you who thinks that you really ought to move on. McLean's lawyer countered there was nothing illegal about his client relaying such a sensitive directive on Madigan's behalf. This is Dave McKinney. A newly opened exhibition at Pulitzer Arts Foundation showcases the work of Faye Heavyshield, a Blackfoot artist from Canada who creates sculpture, drawings, and mixed media installations. Heavy Shield created two new pieces for the exhibition that respond to the history of Native American life around St. Louis. As St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin reports, the artist's work is deeply personal, but reflects centuries of cultural history. Faye Heavy Shield's work can appear deceptively simple. A beaded red cord splayed on the floor, say, or a circle of painted wire on the wall with little spikes pointed out in different directions. But her art grows from deep roots. I guess most of all, it's that influence of the quiet or the calm of the environment of where I grew up, which was in southern Alberta on the plains. Heavy Shield is a member of Kaina Nation, also known as Blood Tribe. That's part of the Blackfoot Confederacy. She went to the Alberta College of Art and Design and didn't see much evidence of her culture, except as an ornament borrowed by white artists. I really didn't see myself in in any art history sites. Whenever it was referred to any cultures, it was termed primitive and often co-opted by white male artists. A little bit of water for you, Faye? Or? No, I'm good with it. Okay. They want to record um, the rest of the audio guide whenever... How is that going to work? How I'll let them Kristen... know that you're ready, so when they set up, they'll just come and get you. Okay. All right. you At Pulitzer Arts Foundation one recent right. morning, as museum workers make final preparations before the show opening, Heavy Shield explains that she responded to an art establishment that didn't seem interested in her by making her personal experience central to her work. That's what led me to start thinking about referring to my personal history as a Blackfoot, Blackfoot person, Blackfoot speaking. And even to this day, it's, uh, I'm still developing that vocabulary of uh, referring to the land, referring to the body, experimenting with materials. All of that is evident in Confluences, the Pulitzer exhibition. It features work from throughout her career and two newly commissioned pieces that respond to the history of Native American life in what we now call the St. Louis region. Contemporary indigenous art is incredibly vibrant and important, but has, you know, historically been overlooked. That's Tamara Schenkenberg. She curated the show. Faye has uh, had a groundbreaking practice for close to four decades. 
and has made remarkable work, but it hasn't been widely seen, especially in the United States. Last year, Heavy Shield visited Cahokia Mounds, where the largest community of indigenous people north of Mexico thrived a thousand years ago, and also the confluence of the Missouri and Mississippi rivers north of St. Louis. The confluence inspired the exhibition's centerpiece, more than 3,000 small photographs of the Mississippi, Missouri, and other rivers. They span the wall of the main gallery. Each of those, they, they have a special significance for me. Each time that I've spent around these rivers, I recall the scent, the smell. They're very much alive, but also very fragile. Would you lead the way? Uh, I guess we'll go down the hallway, in a smaller gallery, sits the other new work, inspired by Heavy Shield's visit to Cahokia. Forty-nine small plaster mounds are arranged on the floor in a neat grid. A simple line drawing on the adjacent wall interprets the mounds as a heartbeat, she says. The careful arrangement reflects the advanced state of the mound builder's society. When I visited the site, it stirred my imagination so that I wasn't really thinking of the civilization or these elements of it as curiosities. I was really stirred to imagine people going about their everyday life. Heavy Shield will soon create a work for St. Louis Art Museum, responding to pieces by Indigenous people in its collection. After her Pulitzer exhibition ends, she'd like to move her piece about Cahokia Mounds somewhere outdoors, with no sign announcing them or identifying her, just blending in and becoming part of the landscape. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, St. Louis Public Radio. Our David Casares edited that report. Before wrapping up, I am out for a few days. A plethora of people will be behind this microphone over the next week, starting Monday with Rachel Littman. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.